Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Iglap. Of course, it's me, your host, Paolo. And before we start today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors because they keep pointing out that I tend to forget to thank them, even if I appreciate them and also, sorry about that, guys. So I'd like to thank Swagat Indian Cuisine, uh, who's been one of our sponsors since season one. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Mask and More Manila. And I would also like Comicet. So guys, you know, if you want to get or support our local, you know, authors and graphic artists, definitely uh, get it from Comicet. So they are both in Lazada and Shopee, and they do have their own um, offline store. So if you have the time, do give them a try. So for today's episode, we have an awesome guest who is a junior who is still studying online, uh, pre-med psychology and health development, or health and development in the Ateneo de Manila University. She also does culinary, so more on breads, pastries, and professional Asian cuisine, which we will definitely talk about. And uh, she likes films and storytelling through film. So yeah, so welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Marcella. Hey, Marcella. Hello. Well, you know, it's so great to have you here. But before we start, so usually I have my guests, and this was done after Bruno, but... uh, Mm -hmm. I usually have my guests nowadays give like a fun fact about themselves that not a lot of people know about. So that's your first curveball for the night, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Fun fact about myself. Yeah. That not a lot of people know about. I'm a widow pianist. Oh, what? Sorry. Like I, I know how to play music, but I don't know how to read music. So I listen to a song, and then from there, I sort of just sit down at the piano for a long time. Sometimes it takes me six months to a year to learn one song, depending on if it's a, it has lyrics or not. Yeah. Okay. So what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Give me a song that you, that you learned. Okay. How about like, what was the longest song you had to learn? Because, you know, you heard it and you're trying to figure out the keys and whatnot. Uh. I think I'd consider this my masterpiece. It's called Arrival of the Birds. I think it's by Cinematic Orchestra. I can't remember. I okay. started to learn this when I was 13, and I finally finished it at 15. Wow. And okay. Yeah, it took me that long. And, you know, I only played this piece for... Um, it's a sentimental piece to me, so I only show it to a few people. And one time I showed it to this uh, pianist friend of mine. He is an amazing artist. And he was watching me and he, he grew up playing the piano. He's very good. And he said, it pains me that your fingers are pressing all the wrong keys. <laughs> uh, but he said, it's impressive because that was, um, what's the word for it? That was made, I guess. That was composed as a duet and you play it on your own. So that was, I think, a compliment. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I think that, that is a that, Wow, amazing. Yeah, but do you, you have other songs that you know, like more like mainstream songs that you can play on the piano? I'm, I'm just super curious. Joji, Dancing in the Dark. It took me three days and it was so boring. <laughs> well, the only... I didn't even know that's how you pronounce his name because I've always is been pronouncing it. I have no idea. I pronounce it Joji. How? How? Joji, so I don't know how far. Oh, I don't know. Oh my right god! Okay. I mean, you could be right. I could be wrong. I mean, but you no, say Joji, no. I say Joji. I'm pretty sure people in Finland say Yoji, so we're fine. Then, of course, it's pronounced John, no? Like, 
<laughs> no, but the only song of that guy is the only song I know, Sanctuary. I super love that. Oh, that's that. so good. Such a beautiful song, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like one of those cheesiest people of all time. Like, I love those cheesy songs about, you know, love and stuff like that. So I'm trying to really refrain from saying um, curse words since you're kind of young. It's fine. I mean, we throw it all around here. No, because, like, you know, if you and your brother have another, you know, culinary thing, like the last time when I met you guys in person, I don't want mm. your mom to like, kill me. She'll be like, oh, my God, you said so many bad oh, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... I will do my best to refrain, but usually I say a lot in this podcast, but not really insulting people. So great. Right. So Marcel is a great musician who, but okay, here, sorry. So how come you can't read the the notes? Like, did you try learning? Actually, it's required uh, in the school that I grew up in to read notes. We had a music class all throughout grade school until high school. I Which guess you can say it's like, you can say it's like a boarding school because we weren't even allowed to have ponytails on our wrists. We were so strict and um, we had a required length of socks, of skirt, and uh, it was very strict. Grade school, high school, that was awful. And uh, our our English classes were actually not just about poetry. We had to learn tea ceremonies because there were literature pieces about tea. And our final exam was we had a tea ceremony yeah. And we had to practice what we learned um, in the tenth grade. We had to practice hospitality, and that was pretty strange because it is home economics. But we had to have yeah. a little pretend restaurant, and all of our parents were the guests. Uh, I think that's so really cool. Yeah, it's it's um it's a one of a kind education, and we were required to read music. And come the eleventh or twelfth grade, I came clean to my teacher. I said, "Ma'am." I can't read notes. She said, how? You grew up with us. You all yeah. can. And I said, yeah. yeah, I've been winging it from photographic memory, but that's it. Because our, our final exam was to play a piano piece that everyone was supposed to memorize. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't understand it. So I told her, ma'am, I have this that I've been working on for two years. It's Arrival of the Birds again. And I said, if I play it for you perfectly, can I have an A? She said, all right. I mean, it's a music class. It's not like you're going to need it for life. Let's hear it. Yeah. I played the piece. I got lost in it. And I passed the piece. <laughs> no, but that's really so. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. So I have to say, when I have... so Sorry, you're, the school you grew up in, was it an all-girls school? It was an all-girls school, yes. Okay. So I'm just curious, though. Like, I know some girls that when they went to all-girls schools, they kind of... The words not really resented. It's just more of they felt that they could have just gone to a normal like co-ed school, if you know what I mean. But how did you yeah. feel about that? How did I cope? Hmm. Uh, well, my friends are actually all older than me. And this is my first time hanging out with people who are younger than me or my age. So... Uh, after school, I would go out with my cousin or some person I'd met at a prom, like someone else's date. Um, and we'd be friends longer than we're friends with our own dates, you know? <laughs> it sounds weird, but um, all throughout high school, my friends were always at least three years older than me. 
and that made things feel normal. I was with older girls. I was with older guys. Um, and I guess like you can see from my relationship with you, my brother and I share friends. Hmm. So in a way, like, I guess you can say I don't talk to my high school peers anymore. And it doesn't feel isolating because it's always been this way. They, they've always um, been just my work circle. And my social circle has always been different from them, if that makes sense. What well, does? And it's funny that your mutual friend with your brother is like a thirty-year-old, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, remember I mean, what we talked about Disney movies, right? What was that Disney film? Yeah, we, we. Oh my god! When I first met you, um, I forgot how we started talking. I just know it was small talk, and then it escalated to trying to name twelve movies, twelve Disney yeah, and your cousin movies. was there. Um, I forgot. My cousin was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but yeah. yeah. But really cool. So wait, so Bruno already commented. I assume he was at home, but anyway. Actually, um, when we started, I saw his car drive up the driveway. Oh, okay. So while I was listening to your shorts on the way home, which we'll talk about later, by the way, uh, let me know what you thought about how what you thought about. Yeah, what do you think about it, Bruno? So yeah. So okay, okay. No, based on like, who you are, right? <laughs> about like what you. You know, right now you're into culinary, right? That's how I met yeah. you personally. That is how not really met Bruno. I mean, I've met Bruno a few times before that. So mm. you put there that you're more into like the baking, right? The pastries. Yeah. Um, I saw like bread and Asian cuisine. So what is it about baking and Asian cuisine that really got you interested? Because those are like two different things, right? <laughs> I mean, Asian cuisine is like savory. Yeah. Stuff. Wow, really you got your soy that. and all that, your fermented everything. Umami um, and whatever. Umami. Right? Yeah. yeah. Then bakery is more of like, you know, dough, butter, <laughs> butter. Uh, everything's butter. fresh. Exactly. Um, so, so, what got you into? Okay, let's maybe start with baking, then we can get into Asian okay. cuisine. All right. Uh, well, for baking, for for one, my mother raised me to watch strawberry shortcake, so that has a massive influence. Everyone was named after a pastry or a jam or something. Um, I mean, that's very um. Okay. So straight to the shortcake. point, you know. It's like yeah. I was I was programmed to be like this, Paolo. <laughs> um, and then there came when I moved to California. For some reason, books became my best friend, and my teacher, uh, he noticed that I. I was homesick. I didn't understand what was going on. We just, one day, my mom just said, we're going away. And I'm like, I'm nine. Okay, let's go. And my, um, my teacher, he understood me more than I did. And he started give, giving me books. He wanted me to relate to Harry Potter and how he left home. Yeah. Have you read how J.K. Rowling describes food? Okay, so I haven't read any of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> But I've seen all the films, though. She doesn't just write um, places well or feelings well. She describes the best food. Oh, my goodness. Like, you can taste it just reading. Like, in, do you remember, like, a line or something? No. <laughs> no, but, but I just remember every time I would read that, I would, I would wish, damn, I wish I knew how to make that. And that was because I didn't know where to get it. I mean, you're in California. The best pastry you're going to get there is probably something at Porto's. 
you know? Or like an avocado toast or something. Or an avocado toast, right. And I was nine. So obviously the best pastry I've ever had was like those sugar cookies you get at the grocery store with the sprinkles yeah. on it. So obviously- very unfortunate, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then I'd look at the movies um, and they brought me so much comfort. And I thought, wow, okay, pies look interesting. I wonder what a pumpkin pasty is like. I've still never had one. <laughs> um, but I do have a recipe and I want to try it. Um, and then eventually I grew up to just bake cookies all the time because my aunt took care of me for a while. Uh, with my mom, obviously. She lived with us. So we would bake after class because we wanted snacks. And... When she moved out, I picked up baking as a sort of, what is it, like a de-stressing activity. First of all, it smells amazing, right? And then you get to see how like some random brown powder turns to black when it touches water. And you're like, wow, that's interesting. So at yeah. first it was like aesthetically pleasing. It smelled amazing. And of course you get rewarded after, right? Um, and here comes college. Mom noticed that me wanting snacks as a kid, I ended up developing baking as a coping mechanism. When I'm stressed with someone, I would bake. And the thing is, the more frustrated I am with someone, for some reason, the more delicious the pastry turns out to be. But when I bake happy, it just tastes like something you'd buy at the grocery store. I don't know why. Um, no, I get that, though. I get that, though. Yeah. You know, like, why are you good now? I'm mad at you. Okay, fine. At least there's something good that happened. And then... And then I'm happy because I've gotten food in my belly. Um, yeah, yeah. And then my mom said, and she, um, her, her friend contacted her. Her friend is the guy who owns a school. So that's why she yeah. just randomly yeah. hopped in there. He said, hey, you know what? Why don't you come here? I've been inviting you for years. And my mom said, well, my youngest kid is soon to be 20. So I have time now. But before that, she was taking care of me. But she couldn't. Um, yeah. She showed up. Yeah found out they had a program and said, you know what, you've been baking for a long time, but you have no idea what you're doing. So I'm gonna put you in this program. And that opened a whole lot of like opportunities for me, a different, um, a different world. Actually, I didn't know food was that complex and it, it yeah. actually gave me so much friends, you know, more yeah. than college would give me. And that shocked me. <laughs> Because these are people from different backgrounds. And I thought college is the best way to meet people because you're all into the same thing. And that was the biggest scam ever. Because <laughs> uh, I've been in college for almost three years now and I can name about a handful of friends that I've met there. Wait, wait, wait. You're like, you're like 19 and you've been in yeah. college for three years already? Well, I'm in third year, almost three years. You were in college at 16? 17. 17? Oh, okay, okay. Now it makes sense. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Well, you know, me, I'm not like you or Bruno levels of cooking, but I do notice that when I'm stressed, that's when the best food comes out for some mm -hmm. reason. I think it's more like you're more passionate about it. Maybe. But I wish I learned baking, though. That's something that I've never really had the courage to try because mm. I find it so complex. <laughs> and my version of the stress is like washing the dishes. I super love washing the dishes. Me too. That's my favorite chore. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's my favorite chore. 
sensation, right? And you get the sponge and you just... Yeah. Oh, right? I don't get people yeah. who hate washing the dishes. Like, what are you guys talking about, right? You know, washing the dishes actually pointed out to me how much I've grown. This is going to sound yeah. weird, okay? But okay. as a kid, I don't know if you still remember this, but as a kid, you'd look in the sink and there's this, I don't know, a bowl and there's murky water in it. Yeah, you yeah. do not want to touch it because there might be something in there, right? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, you don't know these things, right? I mean, yeah, like I didn't even a shark in the pool for a while. You, you think? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you'd think if I put my hand in this murky bowl and I touch something soft, you know it's bread, but you still freak out. Yeah, because it's like it's wet mushy. food. Yeah. yeah. Like wet so, food is disgusting for me. Yeah. Like, why couldn't you throw it into the garbage can first before you put it in the sink? Yeah. And uh, I found out I'm mature. Actually, in the middle of culinary class, in my Asian class, I stuck my hand in the bowl. Forgot why I did that. But I, no, I think I dropped my knife in there. So I stuck my hand in the bowl and I picked up a bone. And... Mind you, it was still red, right? Because we just butchered something next to the sink and just tossed the bone. I don't know who tossed the bone in there, but it was there. And I thought, I picked it up. Who put a bone in here? Oh, God. And then I just put it somewhere and started looking for my knife. And I thought, that's a oh giant bone. <laughs> huh? You were like searching for your knife and you got a bone? Oh, it's a, it's a, one of those the little paring knives, the duty. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because for some reason, I thought it was like the chef's knife. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually barely use that thing. I'm a cleaver girl. Okay. <laughs> but okay, sorry. Super random topic. But have you seen the film Chef? Yeah, I've lost count how many times. Okay, so I've only seen it twice in my life. The first time was I was binge drinking when I was young. I think I was like 19 or 20. I was going through like a bad... Uh, Let's not talk about it now. Uh, but I was going through like, some bad stuff at that age. And, you know, my friends, they're like, Paolo, you, you've been drinking for how many days? So we're going to bring you out of your house. Then, you know, okay. since I live in Green Hills, right, they, they, you know, they carried me to their car. I was like somewhat, you know what I mean? Like my brain was like filled with alcohol. Then they put me in my seat in the cinema. I was just like, I forgot most of the film the first time I watched okay. it. But I remember like the dad and the son scenes because those are really good. I mean, don't get me wrong. John Favre, I don't even know how you pronounce his last name. I don't know if it's Favre, Favreau, whatever. He's such a good actor, right? Yes. A, such a good actor. And when I watched it recently, I think a few weeks ago, the second time, I remembered why I liked the film so much. But the reason I brought it up was he always said, right, when you're a chef, you always have to have that chef's knife that you um, yeah. sharpen and all these things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sorry, going back. So you're into baking because when you're a kid, you had strawberry shortcake. Weirdest reference, okay. Um, then, and all that. It's, it yeah. just shot up the top of my head. And I was like, let's say that. I regret it now. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I'm a bookworm as well. I also had a teacher who would, like, give me books to read. I mean, again, right. best teachers of all time, right? So yes. she like, give you books that you can relate to. So, like, yeah. what's your favorite book of all time? Are we talking fiction or doesn't matter? Because here's the thing about me: I love political nonfictions, like biographies okay. and stuff. Okay. But my favorite book of all time is a fiction book. All right. Oh wait, okay. Hmm. I'll tell you mine then, since I kind of okay. gave up the production. So, 
a lot of people know me for loving the little prince i'm, I'm sure you've read that it's on my reading list and on my netflix watch list should i bother watching netflix or not okay wait 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 marcel mm -hmm. wait yeah okay. i know the story but i've never read it myself. wait let me prepare myself first okay so <laughs> only 83 pages woman <laughs> My school bombards me with readings that I, you know, when your school bombards you with readings, you wouldn't expect reading to be your after school thing. <laughs> no, but like, I just finished it now. I mean, this is, I finished this in three days because I'm going, because I went through a fasting reflection um, right. week right now. So I had a okay. liquid fast of just water and Baraka. I didn't eat any food right now or oh anything. For um four days, I had to break my fast because I have a you know company dinner tomorrow. But anyway, sorry. Um to answer your question, read the book first, then what wait, are we talking about the animated film or the live action film? There's two films. Yeah, so which one is <laughs> in your Netflix? I assume it's the animated, right? Yes, yes. Okay. The animated film, in my opinion, you have to read the book first. So okay. you can appreciate the animated film. Because mm -hmm. the film in itself has certain scenes that are brought from the book, like you know, you know, per page levels. Okay. But they expand it because they also got like the heart and soul of the book. Okay. Put it That's why for me, it's the perfect adaptation of the little bit. Okay. Got it. Okay, but anyway, going back, so my favorite book is not The Little Prince just because I don't consider it a book. I consider it more of like a reflection type thing. My favorite okay. book of all time is called 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Oh, I've read a book by him. Love in the Time of Cholera? No, um, Chronicle oh. of a Death Foretold. I love that one also. That is an excellent, excellent. You're a person of culture right there. But okay, so going back to you. Um, what's your favorite book of all time? God, um, here's the thing. I suck at favorites. If you ask for my favorite song, I can't name one. But okay, I'll probably name something out of emotion. Sure, go. Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is my subconscious whispering in my ear. But what okay. came to mind was a book I read um, when I moved back here. Um, it's, I think it's called The Summer to Die. It's a children's book, actually. Why and, does that uh, I can't remember the author. I've, I've read this, um, book only once and okay. it touched me in a way that no other book could have. And, um, it was really short. I think it's also like a, just a hundred pages. I read it in one afternoon. Ah, it's Louis Larry Kasseh. Okay, that's how I remember yeah. it. He wrote um. I, uh, I think I read giver. it while trying to jet lag. The no, though it is in the shelf upstairs. I think it was Bruno's book. I don't know what I mean. Same author. Oh really? Oh oh oh. <laughs> okay. Sorry, yeah. like, you, like oh, if yeah. you could see like all my books beside me right now, I think mm. I have like a hundred fifty backlogs. Right. You just have a reading list that you haven't gotten to. No, no, not the reading list, like physical books. Oh. <laughs> 150 oh. physical books. Oh, I yeah, yeah, me too. Like, uh, I had all these books because um, at the time, um, e-commerce wasn't very popular, at least not to me. And um, 
whenever I'd find the book, I'd say, hmm, this is a bit difficult to find. I've got five books on queue, but this is difficult to find, so I get it. And I'm yeah. finally, I finally have the time to, to get at that reading list, though it, it has stacked up a bit. I'm happy to be reading again. But sorry, so yeah. that summer to die, why would you yeah. say, I mean, just right now, no? Yeah. Um, why would you say yeah. it's your favorite book? I'm curious. Okay, uh, let's see if I could remember it clearly. It's 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 almost ten years since I've read that. Wow. Um, it's it's the story of two sisters, and I think they had moved to the countryside. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened was this little sister. She was into photography, um, not because it was her course or anything, but she had picked up a camera. Like you know how these um intimate old American stories are. Like this this used to be my grandfather's so and so. So she picked up a camera and just started taking pictures of things that she thought were pretty. I mean, she's a kid. That's what you do, right? Yeah. And um, her sister was getting sicker and sicker until she had gotten skinny. And, you know, she, she just started to look dull. And she thought, you know, there's, there's this one day that his, her sister took a nap. And she was just resting. And it was like some golden hour or something. They were on the countryside. And... This son just touched her sister and blanketed her in such a comforting way. And she said, um, my, I've never seen my sister this peaceful since we moved, since she got sick. I'll take a photo of this moment. And then she befriended someone along, along the, um, I think the same street. And she said, you know, this man said, you have a gift for photography. And he had this, what do you call that room where they develop photos? The, the, one of the, the dark room, the dark room. I, I guess it's the dark room, yeah. And he developed her photos and he said, you have a talent. Do you not want to put this in a gallery? Something like that. And she said, these are personal, but I mean, if you think it's good there, then okay. I mean, she's a kid, so she doesn't really say no to anything. And um, I forgot what happens. There's this like memory gap. I just know, I remember it ended with such a warm feeling of, her being confused, and then she wanders into a gallery and sees a photo of her sister, and she was like, I'm home. You know, but at the time, her sister was gone already. And that was, that hit me like a truck, man. I was 11 and crying. <laughs> but it was, it was, um, it felt like home. I don't know if I did the book justice, but I'd definitely say it's a good. Um, no, I would say I would want to read that. Like, I'm more of one of those hardcover kind of guys, so I'll try to look for a copy that's hardcover. But, mm. yeah, wow. Wow. Remind me to talk to you about film later since we're going to talk about that because I had okay. the same experience but with a movie. So we'll okay. talk a bit about that. So sorry. So going back to Asian cuisine. Sorry. Don't you like how <laughs> to another to another? But yeah. yeah. So going back to Asian cuisine. So what about Asian cuisine do you like cooking? Like why is it your favorite? I mean obviously mm. because that's what you are learning more about, right? Yeah. Probably for one, I grew up with like European cuisine without knowing yeah. it. Um, yeah, I had crepes almost every day. Um, I mean, my well, mom is Spanish, also right. Yeah, exactly. We both have yeah, Spanish. Yeah, my mom. Is, yeah, she she's always making paella. So when yes. we go out to restaurants, I never get it. Like. Come on, you call this paella? No, dude, that's fried rice. Exactly, exactly. yeah. Exactly, I get your, like, even the gambas. Yeah. Like, it's yes. different when you have a Spanish mom, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. um, so why it hits different. Um, super, and then she she's always making pasta. So I dread going to Italian restaurants because I can taste the canned tomatoes. And I'm like, you did not make this for seven hours, my dude. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's good seafood, but the sauce is canned. <laughs> it's not to our so standard. I, so my mom, she actually said, hey, I'm going to put you in the... Um, I, for, I don't know what the class is called, but oh my gosh, if the chef is watching me right now. Sorry, chef. <laughs> um, there's a class where you cook all the food of the world. You have a pastry lesson. You have a few Asian days. It's like you're well-rounded, but it's mostly Western and you only have like two days of Asian. And mom said, I'm going to put you there so you know how to make so-and-so. And then she showed me like the, the syllabus or if you want the menu. Syllabus for culinary school is kind of a menu with a recipe book. Um, okay. And I said, mom, you make this. And she's like, do you not want to know what I make? I said, mom, I've never made shopao in my life. And those are like the bomb, you know? So like you have all these dumplings and stuff. And um, you know that like orange shrimp? Like it's like an orange chicken, but they do it with shrimp. Yeah. You ever yeah, had yeah. one? Those are great. So I, I had thought, that like a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought this is amazing stuff. And they like they did the roast duck and everything, the noodle soup. Ooh. Oh god. Oh, god, roast duck. I need to know all of this because if not, I will keep flying to these countries to just have a freaking bowl of soup. So she said, Okay, let's put you in that program. I mean, you like it. So here I am. All right, but fair enough. I mean, I personally love um, Asian food, especially when yeah. it's spicy. I'm a huge spice lover. Um, so when it comes to like Chinese food, I ate in this local restaurant, and don't judge me, but I super mm -hmm. love it. It's called Lucky Wen. And they have this amazing, um, it's like a spicy soup called King Dao noodle soup. So King Dao is like okay. this pork that's a bit spicy, but they put it in a soup. Oh. And it's I've so never heard of that place. It's homemade. I mean, it's a restaurant. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, okay, how do I explain? Like, <laughs> don't really expect it to be like, okay. Like, you know how we talk about paella, gambas growing up? That we know the difference between when it's made with love and then it's made just to feed people? Yeah. You know what I mean? So... This um King Dao noodle soup from Lucky Wen. I think of it like a McDonald's of Chinese food, but it's really good okay. for a McDonald's for Chinese food, you know? So mm. I super love that and I super love spicy um Asian food. Now, have you tried roasted goose? Not that I'm aware of. I know I've had duck. Because one time when I was in Hong Kong. Because I always wondered, why do Chinese people, when they eat roasted whatever, whether it's roasted duck, roasted goose, whatever, they always have plain rice. I'm like, why not have fried rice, right? So I made yeah. this mistake. I went to this Chinese restaurant in Hong Kong. And I said, okay. give me one-fourth um, roasted duck, one-fourth roasted goose, and like a platter of fried rice, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I went out happy, but I was yeah. so 
Like my hotel was just like a 10-minute walk. I had to take a cab because I was just too dizzy from like all the oil and all of these things. Ah, yeah. But you, okay. So you took up Asian cuisine. What's your favorite dish to cook in, in this class? Pho. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pho is the bomb. Super. Like oh. you cook it like, you know, you... you you have the base, then you boil the meat first, then you remove it, then you clean the, you know, you put in a new, um, you know, new water to boil, and that's where you put like the soup. Can I just say yeah. it? I really hate it when people put the sriracha sauce in the soup instead of like putting it separate as like a dipping sauce. Yeah, like I, I understand maybe you'd get a bit and like you put it in the spoon. I, I do this, like I put yeah, it in yeah, the spoon and then I'd sort of like get the noodles and the soup and just. But that is like only in your spoon, right? I know people that they just, just put it in the soup. And I'm like, the guy spent like seven hours, you know, five hours just boiling that for you? Making and, the and perfect... Go, sriracha. No. It's like, ah, oh, it's sriracha. No, I, I do remember. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've made a couple of online friends because it's, it's, it's past 2020. It's what we do. And uh, this, this, uh, I think, I think they're German. I don't know. They went to this Asian restaurant, and it was like this Asian restaurant in a way that it's all parts of Asia. One of them ordered um, a ramen. And okay, take note. He takes his German as heck friend to this place. He said, "I'm always here. You have to try this place. I'm gonna start you some with something simple." So he orders his friend a pho. Well, he gets a ramen, right? So his, his friend did not know that they were two different soups. And he said, why is yours so orange? And mine is like boring to look at. It's like brown and I could see the noodles in it. It's, it's a clear soup. So he dumps hiracha in it until it matched the orangeness. And the friend was like, what are you doing? They're two different soups. So this guy felt bad and just had to finish the sriracha fall. <laughs> It was so chaotic. <laughs> That's all I can say. So you're, you're okay. So going back to positive things, when you make your pho, you use the usual beef. Yes, as from what I remember. Okay, I'm gonna test you. Mm. Oh no. So, of course, you have thin slices of beef, right? Yes. Do you a cook it with the noodles in the soup or B, do you put it in raw? It depends on what. Some pho has like the thin raw slices. Like you you plate the bowl first, put the noodles, then whatever the yeah. heck you want in it, your thin onion. So you prep your bowl. The last thing on top is the meat and then you pour yeah. the freaking hot soup on top. I think that's like yes. the best. Yes. Yeah. That is the right way to do it. So you <laughs> Like I'm talking like I'm a chef, no, my goodness. <laughs> no, because you know, like the way I cook is very chaotic in the sense that um so I make pastas, I make burgers and yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. but I always find a way to make it unhealthy but good. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Like so I get like this, yeah, I just get normal ground beef, right? To make a burger. Right. Then right. sometimes no judging. Okay inside like the core of the patty is bone marrow 
And when you bite into it, the bone marrow just melts into your mouth. Oh my god, you're a king. <laughs> then instead of putting like mayonnaise or whatever, yeah, I use like a bit of a like I make my own crab paste, but it's spicy. So that's what I use as mayonnaise on top. Crab paste in a burger. It's in like crab fat. Yeah, but how does that? Hmm. So what happens? So what I do is, so the I have that, right? Then I have roasted zucchinis on the side because right when you bite a zucchini, it's very watery, so it cleanses Mm -hmm. the palate. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that, that when you try the patty and you need to cleanse your mouth so you can try, let's say, the crab fat, you just bite the zucchini and you're good to go. Wow. Okay. So very chaotic how I cook. Unlike you guys, you, you and your brother, you guys are like professionals. You know what I mean? I mean, if we don't cook like professionals, the chefs are going to get mad. So we kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> You're wasting the ingredients. Sorry, chef. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, okay. So you did Asian. You made your own shaw pao. Like, what mm-hmm. was the most difficult dish that you made in the Asian cuisine for you? Hmm. <clears throat> most difficult dish that I've I would say that pho is difficult. It's just more tedious than it's difficult. Not- I okay this <laughs> oh my god this is what I did with my manuals I took an orange marker and okay. I drew stars on recipes that I decided were college friendly because there's a stereotype oh you're a college student you must eat cup noodles all the time yeah no dude like there are a lot of braced stuff that you mm. can just dump a bunch of sauces in there and then you simmer it or whatever for an hour to seven yeah. hours and i do my homework uh not too far from the stove i'm in the kitchen doing my homework uh while monitoring the dish and come time the dish is done i've finished my essays and boom that's college friendly you know while you're working it's on the stove and you know, you, know you, you did it right when the meat falls off the bone right Exactly. So, like, I've I've done this with. It's actually my my one of my top two favorites from that course is the Chinese soy braised chicken. Oh, okay. stuff! And the thing is, you can do this two ways. You can just brace it and then hang it and then eat it, or you brace it and then you fry it. Yeah. So then it's the same thing, but you know, um, and this is uh, this is actually something Bruno asks me to do. Like, he would come home. The audacity to go, can you make that chicken? Bro, I got a thaw at first, and then I put it on the table two hours later. Because <laughs> it's very college-friendly, and I think yeah. thaw is the same. Because it actually takes two days. I mean, if you want to be healthy, it's two days. But if you don't care, yeah. it's one day. You yeah. know? Um, the only tedious task is... It's just the onions. Onions are always tedious. They make you cry. Oh, because but- you have to burn the onions first, right? Yeah. That's about it. And uh, when you're done with that, you're pretty much good to go. Just seven hours, let it cool. Because I, I like to, when I make soups, I like to let the, I forgot the name for the white stuff on top. Like it's the oil. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 That When you make a soup and then it gets cold, some oil rises to the top. If you refrigerate yeah. it, it becomes like this waxy disc thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually let that happen first, and then I serve it the next day. So you get that really clean mouthfeel, you know? Get, got and it. then yeah. you can say it's refreshing there. Yeah. All right, fair enough. That's really, 
So do you plan on ever having like a little, you know, not really little, but do you ever plan on baking for like not friends? Oh, like for selling? Yeah. Um. Well, my family, mostly mom and Bruno, they want to have a little family business. Um, and mom wants, because mom has her own recipes, you know, uh, her paella and stuff. And I'm not saying this because she's my mom. I'm saying this because this is why I don't eat out. She makes the best paella, man. Like, I'm going to flex that right there. She's like, I want to give you guys this recipe because this is the family recipe. We developed it together. And she said, you know, she was, sometimes she would just sit down and watch her um, her iPad stuff, like her, her cooking shows, her Netflix. Mid-episode, she would go, I want to have a restaurant. And I'm like... Where is Where's this that from? Yeah, I mean, yeah. good for you, but what? You're watching literally a soap opera. How did you come up with restaurant? Like, I get it if you said it mid-recipe. And she said, oh, I don't know. I mean, all of our friends always make our food. We have our own recipes. Um, I'm lucky that you and your brother are interested. Um, and my aunt right now, she's uh, she's studying mixology and barista craft. Same with my cousin. So if you think about it, if this is a family business on the mother's side, um, We've got everything from your breakfast food, your dinner, to your fine dining, your pastry, and all beverages. We're, we're all set. You know. So I and guess it's just more of the space, right? Yeah, the space. And, um, you know, we've... My, my brother's girlfriend, I think she graduated business, and my cousin graduated hospitality. So, you know, we have the front of the house, we have the accounting. It's, it's a pretty complete team. And um, I just said, okay, well... Whatever you guys want to do, go for it. Because I'm not business-minded, I'll tell you that. Because um, I am going into healthcare. So I guess that means if we really are to have a business someday, I think you know where I'd be. I'd be either pastries or hospitality. So that's front of the house, maitre d', something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's more of my brother and mom that want to do that. Yeah, I mean, if you do, I'd be totally game to do an Eglap episode in the place. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with your mom for like two hours about the yeah. or whatever you know, yeah. as a fellow yeah. person with Spanish blood and grew up with Spanish. Oh, food. Yeah. Did you ever eat bacalao, by the way? Uh, can you describe it? Maybe so it's basically I... salted codfish. No, good for you because you know, every holy week we would have mm. it like times a day in like <laughs> various forms like coquetas for breakfast then like the stew for for lunch then like a paella version like oh I'm so <laughs> tired of the taste yeah. But, yeah but good for you that you haven't tried it it's really good though but not three times a day for the whole maybe day. i've had it but i wasn't aware i just know i've had a lot of fish growing up i don't know what they're called i just know there was oyster sauce and that's why i would eat it oh fair enough fair enough like so, i okay. i didn't know what i was eating <laughs> yeah well anyway so going back now so hmm. you mentioned also like your brother you're into film right like telling stories yes in film form so like what are these stories that you have done in the film form um well i guess the most recent ones i've done are not really done out of interest they're done well they of course they're interest but in college we're given a choice 
um, to, to, we're, we're always asked, you can write an essay, you could make one of those Canva presentations with pictures of your life. Yeah. Uh, and they just say, whatever you want to do, if you want to make one of those TikToks where you're dancing and pointing at random places and you put words there, go for it. Uh, and I just thought, you know, I don't know why, when, I, when I'm looking at the prompt, I start seeing this, this scene and the music that goes with it. And I kind of just think, okay, let's make it happen. I mean, my, my subconscious is whispering to me. Let's follow that. And so far, for three years, every single chance I get, I make films. So um, I guess my brother and I are different in that way. My brother's films, uh, he's written stories. Like, he's actually created characters, and he would cast friends. Um, if not that, he would sort of make these cinematic vlogs. I guess if you know Tim Kellner, he produces films similar to his. Mine are a little more sentimental. Um, it's typically a one-man show because it's a pandemic. <laughs> and I'm working with limited resources. I don't really bother any siblings or parents to film me. I just put my phone somewhere, hope the hell it doesn't fall, and then record. Uh, so really, it's most of my films have discussed the psychology of how I've, I came to be who I am and why I do what I do. It's, um, like, I don't know, this, it would be sad to say there's not much of a story to tell because I talk about the things that happened to me, the things I have done, and how it's got me here. You know, it's, it's, I, I always try to go for those intimate films. It gives you a fuzzy feeling. And so far, I think I've achieved that because um, my professors usually ask, can I keep this? Can, can, do I have the permission to show this to my classes? I think, okay. No, I think yeah. you know I've always been a fan of um, intimate slow burn type of films. You know. Yeah. And I'm just curious though, when you make these films, which are you know mostly like homeworks or projects or whatnot, did you ever have like an inspiration in terms of like your filmmaking style? Like, is there any director or film that inspired you to do that? Yes, though, for some reason. I don't know his name, but I, uh, you know how I don't follow the director, but I look at a movie and I'm like, oh God, it's by the same dude. Um, let me look him up. Uh, Drake Durant. Maybe it's like Wes Anderson. <laughs> Drake Duramus. Yeah, him. He's done the film Newness Equals. Um, Wow, I actually don't know a lot of his films. Uh, like Crazy? Oh, I've never seen Like Crazy, but I like the, the soundtrack. It's very good. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's also this movie that's called Irreplaceable You. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure you know this one. It's um, Her. Mm. Spike Jones. I guess, yeah. Films like that. Those... those um. What attracted me to film in the first place was the color grading. I, um, I had a very big thing for uh, the Sonder and color, how these storytellers felt a color and said, I'm going to make a movie based on this color. You know, and it just, it, this, this, you know, this actually, yes, this actually um, prize, this, I don't know if you know color psychology, I think you do. And, 
if if filmmakers use this a lot to to emphasize or to bring out a feeling, and the more filmmakers use this, you know, the more people are brainwashed to think red is passionate, red is strong, red is, I don't know, brave. Yeah, you or know? fiery. Fiery, yeah. Whatever it is, it's passionate. Right? Because even yeah. in the film Her, the whole poster was red, right? But it's such an intimate film. So what's passionate there? It's the sense of intimacy, right? So I yeah, like, I, I started... Yeah. Sorry? I like, your I like your analysis, yeah. I I had a whole speech about it before. Like we were asked to, to give a... It was like a sort of short TED Talks and I, I delivered one about color. And at the time, it, it was very interesting to me because I, I love the psychology of color in film, how it affected the viewers, how the director must have felt and how the actors felt it because like, oh, wow, I'm in this like red set. I feel so like this is my career. You know, this is my time. And directors are like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. So it doesn't just affect people watching it, but the people working on the film, they have this realization. Oh, my God, I'm actually making a movie. This is my childhood dream come true. Like, you know, there's there's that moment. And um, at the time, it was super duper duper important to me because the irony of that was in the height of my color psychology phase, I dated a colorblind guy. So imagine trying to describe the one thing you love to someone that doesn't know what it looks like. Oof. Um, yeah, so I had to describe it to this oof. person through feelings. Like I would say, have you ever felt... You can string with that line, by the way. Yeah. So yeah. this, um, I had to explain things like, do you know the feeling of when you have the first sip of coffee and then your egg yolk is perfectly gooey? That's yellow. Yeah. You know, I had to do this every time. Oh, but and mine this was a is totally a different thing, but yeah. What? My version of that's a totally different thing. I think I need a shot right now. Damn. <laughs> so, like, I I feel like I may have given him a different uh, perception of color because we all see colors in different ways. Yeah. You know, other people can see green as elegance. Other can see it as danger. Um, but I, I just showed him what I saw in the world. And Why don't we make a film about that? Th that's the thing. Uh, this is where I started to fall in love with films because I had to find every way to describe a color through feelings. So I had to imagine things. And no, but you when need I to make a legit film, though. I mean, let's put it out there. You know. I mean, like you, Bruno, I could always just be a, an extra... <laughs> yeah, you're the John Favreau in the film. <laughs> I'll just grow out my beard, right? And I'll just make pesto <laughs> on the side. Um, you're the grilled I, cheese dude with a molten lava cake. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, damn though. Like, you know, there's this film I watched because actually I wanted to be a director when I was a kid. And mm -hmm. I saw this film when I was 11 years old. I'm not sure if you okay. heard of it. It's called Lost in Translation. It's, for, in my opinion, the greatest film of all time. Like, it's my favorite film of all time. And until now, I don't think I've ever seen a film as perfect as Lost in Translation. Mm. Because like you, the viewer talk about like colors and all these things. But when I yeah. watch, um, I like seeing how people feel. 
about yes. things. And I was an eleven-year-old. Okay, aside after watching Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, which is really amazing trilogy. Um, I don't include the Hobbit. Let, let let's not get there. Uh, <laughs> but when I watched that in the cinema, at eleven years old, okay, I was like, mm. "This is the perfect movie," because sorry, have you seen it? No. <laughs> okay, I can forgive you for that one. That's okay. The Little Prince, not really, but fine. But maybe Bruno has seen Lost in Translation. I'd be surprised if he hasn't. Uh, so basically, Bruno, the story yeah. is about this like fifty-year-old Bill Murray. That's the character. That's the actor in it. Bill Murray. Okay. Um, he's like this washed-up actor, washed-up Hollywood actor who goes to Japan to film a whiskey commercial because he has no more <laughs> career. He's a yeah. has-been. All of these things. Then he meets this girl. Played by Scarlett uh, Johansson, who yeah. is newly married to this photographer, who's like you know some hot photographer, right? I mean, you know, he's demanded in the industry and stuff like that. But mm. she's so, so unhappy with her marriage because he doesn't make time for her anymore. It's always about work, 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 work. Then mm. she and Bill Murray stay in the same hotel. Then they have like this beautiful relationship. Where they understand each other, even if he's like 50 and she's like 23, 24. And when I was watching that, I was like, this is an amazing story, you, you know. Because I get you when you're talking about how some directors they like using color or the cinematography is beautiful. Um, reminds me of this film I saw called Days of Heaven, which I when I describe it to people, it's like a moving painting. Okay. Because the color, the lighting, and all these things. But it's that film where, like, what you mentioned about Summer to Die by Lois, Lois Laurie. For me, Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola brought out that love of cinema for me. Mm. Where I was like, you know, there's no visual effects here. There's no, like, loud explosions, a.k.a. the Michael Bay effect. There's no, like, big budgeted whatever. It's just people talking. Yeah. Right? And that, that kind of just touches the point that at the end of the day, no matter what happens like to us, no matter what we achieve, no matter what new thing exists in the world, people just want to be happy. And what makes us happy is like the first sip of coffee in the day, the sound exactly. of when you open the curtains in the morning, you know, that's all yeah. we want. You know? Exactly. Like all yeah. we want is happiness. Like what you yeah. said. I mean, what makes me happy? Books. When I have the new book smell, the old book smell, mm-hmm. the in-between smell of it being new and old. Like I don't know if I'm just a weirdo that I've discovered the third <laughs> for books, right? But um, but yeah. Um, so going now, okay. So we we touched base on that. Now you're taking up psychology, which is yes. a very tough course in my opinion because you're studying the human brain in a way. Right, human yeah. brain in the sense of why people do things, why people feel things, yeah, and all of that, right? So, why did you decide to get into that? Okay, well, for one thing, that is a hugely um, neglected aspect of well-being, and um, you know the the Filipino-American comedian Joe Coy. Oh, I love Joe Coy. He, he said this one line. I was laughing watching that show with my mom. And he said, Filipino parents will shit on your dreams. And I thought, 
yeah why am i laughing at this because my mom didn't shit on my dreams <laughs> i mean she's spanish i get it but um yeah. and the thing is i realized um we we filipinos we really tend to ignore how we feel you know we are trained to think about how others feel but never how we feel like the sentence ano na lang sasabihin ng iba has killed so much yes No, I agree with you because I don't think it's just Filipino parents. I think it's Asian parents in general. Yes. You know, they're like, you yeah. know, like I remember I told my dad I wanted to be a director, right? And he's like, film right. school's expensive. And I'm like, well, there it goes. I'm not going to be a director anymore. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, thinking about it, right? Um, by the way, my favorite Jokoi joke is still about the rice. Rice is rice? Yeah, <laughs> I love you know, like people always tell me I have like the 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 best and worst sense of humor at the same time because I grew up in South Park, so you kind of get why it also could be the best and worst at the same time. Um, and I cannot repeat any of the jokes here unless I want my podcast to get canceled. But anyway, okay. you, you took up psychology because it's something that it's true. Mental health, I guess, is one of the biggest neglected health yeah you know that that's a word in the world yeah. right we care about cancer we care about um whatever yeah. disease is but in the philippines right when you say i need to say psychologist then they automatically think you're crazy yeah but maybe sometimes you just need a pill and you're okay after a week yeah or sometimes um there's even no pills just funny little oh. things you don't care about like for example um adhd is a common thing in my family Mm-hmm. And um, so is OCD. So, oh, okay. yeah. And the funny thing is, you'd think, okay, you got to give a person with ADHD all these pills to get them to calm the fuck down, right? Like, yeah. sit down, focus. Like, no, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, like, oh, I, th- I think you might have to get checked. You have ADHD. I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm saying your brain has, like, different proportions from mine. And that makes you remember things that I can't. And that makes you, me focus better than you can. You know, I'm not saying you're insane. I'm saying you're built different, literally. Yeah. And they're like, okay, what is the solution to that? Easy. A piece of paper with a list of things you're supposed to do and what time you're supposed to do them. What if I forget to look at it because I have said this order? Easy. You have a timer, use it. That's it. No pills yeah. needed. Just... Follow exactly. the list and the timer, and you're fine. So, pills are like the last reward, you know? Always, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes people just need to be heard. That too. And listen. Yeah. Right? I, I think that the problem is, wow, I sound like a 55-year-old right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Life realizations, man, like crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I remember... Um, Sorry, I'm going to use this as an example, but when I broke up with my ex, right? Okay. Um, I really consider myself as someone who heals fast from all of these things. Mm. Like, I always give myself, like, a deadline to feel all the... Because I always believe that for you to truly move on and, you know, live your life, you should not suppress the pain, but oh, you yeah. should feel it. Yeah. Right. I'm the type of person that I don't really force the deadline because I'm the type that I feel that if I don't give myself a deadline, I'm just gonna be stuck in limbo. Yeah. 
right? So I'm the type that I give myself like two weeks. If I want to drink a lot, that's okay. If mm-hmm. I want to listen to Lord's Liability for like four <laughs> days straight, I yeah. would. Back to back with driver's license. You should add a Norman Norman Rockwell in the list, Lana Del Rey. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> Trust me, I have like this. The, the, I have like several levels of sad playlists. Like I have yeah. like level one, which is semi sad but not too bad. Then I have like the legit, like you're gonna feel bad about stuff. <laughs> you know, so I have Exile by Taylor. Yeah. So what I did is like I, I curated the saddest songs of each artist. And put it into one Spotify playlist that's only like three hours long, and I just oh, wow. listened to that for like the whole day. Like when Excel yeah. came out, I listened to it for like five thousand five hundred minutes, and that was ten percent of my whole Spotify like listening. I, I'm like that kind of person. Yeah, know? felt and yeah, yeah. Like you know, you really need to feel the pain. Yeah, right. You, you get what I mean. Actually, it's it's um, it is something that a counselor or a therapist will tell you: feel something all the way through, feel every part of it until there's nothing left of it to feel. And exactly. um, there's there's this one thing I came across. You know those Chinese uh, finger cuffs? What do you call those? Chinese finger the one, trap. The finger trap, right? It's a tube. You put your fingers in it, and if you pull away, um, you're gonna get trapped, right? And I. I, I read this thing where they said, think of that finger trap as this predicament, right? Think of it as this current thing that you're feeling. If you immediately pull away from it in panic, you'll just get stuck and stuck and stuck until your fingers hurt and you're panicking because they hurt now. You think you're gonna lose your fingers because you wanna move away too quickly. But if yeah. you go deeper into it, literally you push your fingers yeah. into the trap, this loosens up. Yeah. Your other fingers yeah. can grip the trap while your fingers slip out. Exactly. Which yeah. just means whatever it is is on your plate. You have to dissect it. You have to wallow in it until you understand what it is. And then find your way out. Like, don't chainsaw your way through the to, through the garden maze. You know, you have to find your way through carefully. You feel yeah. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <clears throat> sorry, so going back, uh, so about happiness, right? Yeah. People kept asking me, um, do I feel bitter? Do I feel upset? Mm. And I always tell them, if a relationship ends because one party is no longer happy, right. and you try your best to, to fix that, right? Then you should not take it against the person. Because right. at the end of the day, everyone, like what you said, wants to be happy, whatever that means. Whether mm. it's freshly cut grass in the morning, a sip of coffee, or, I don't know, having your mom's awesome paella out of nowhere, right? <laughs> yeah. But I always felt that when a relationship ends because of that, let's say there's no cheating, there's no abuse mm. or what, right? Just simple, the other person says, I'm no longer happy, I appreciated you, you know, giving your best efforts, but you know, there, there's nothing left. I always said, never be bitter, never be angry or any of those things. Mm. You can feel sad, that's fine. You know? Yeah. But I never like the word hatred. Yeah. You know, you know how there are some people out there who are bitter about it, 
or are angry about it, I always say, mm-hmm. don't. You know, just think about this. Say, what if you're in their position? Yeah. And you're so unhappy, right? Would you rather you guys continue wasting each other's time? Yeah. Or would you rather you guys stop it now than live your life and maybe find the right person out of nowhere? Yeah. So what what do you think of that? Well, definitely it's um like that there's a I actually listened to your two cups episode yesterday. Yeah. Was it yesterday or two days ago? It was yesterday, yeah. And um you said you have like you have two cups. You love yourself first. You fill up that first cup, right? And then whatever can no longer fit in that cup, like you're so full of love to give only then do you share that into that second cup and that's that's kind of like another visualization of put your own oxygen mask first yeah you know like you you can't because this is what it is if you don't fill up that cup, you end up just depending on another person you become a parasite exactly right and that that's 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 just not good for anybody yeah you know and it's um like, okay, maybe people are going to say I'm too young to talk about this because I'm literally 19. But I never, I, for me, age is just a number when it comes to mature conversation. It, it is. And that's actually, that's actually my module right now. We're studying the different kinds of age. Apparently, that's a thing. Okay. Um, yeah. And I guess, um, let's face it, there's a lot of BS around there about relationships. There's. Um, like there's this East Asian belief that love happens after the label, hence the culture of fixed marriages. And statistically speaking, those marriages do last longer than those that have loved before marriage. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, some yeah, we, we tend to cling to the idea that, for example, we keep dating and then we have a handful of exes you think, I'm just not built for love. Maybe I'm one of those people who's meant to be good for others, but to not actually be like a parent to myself, you know? Um, because we fixate on frustrations. Like, am I never good enough? Why can I never stay a person? Or, you know, is there something wrong with me? Or if you're only with one person, like you've been with this guy, like whoever from high school, you're already working, you're still together, you'd think, am I so undesirable that nobody has tried to take me from my partner? So we tend to have these thoughts. But honestly, I think, you know, it doesn't have to make sense to anyone. Like whatever you have with your someone, their mom doesn't have to understand it. Their best friend doesn't have to understand it because if it's good for you, you know what's good for you yeah you know like people people might say um why don't you leave that guy i mean like for example let's let's say for example i'm seeing someone five years younger than you like okay. right right now that's not legal but let's say at a future time that's legal i'm like <laughs> I mean, 14, really Marcella? Okay. no no i mean okay don't worry it's not my thing but let's say i'm 25 i'm seeing a kid who's 20 Right. Let's let's say, for example, I'm, why am I doing this to myself? Let's say I'm there. People are going to say, don't you want someone who knows what they want with their life? Someone who's like old enough to take you in. You're dating a college student, you know, 
Yeah. And you think, okay, let's say I do go off with um, someone in the hospital I work at. Yeah, okay, this person is stable. This person I work with. So, like, I know how their life works. I mean, I'm in the same workspace. But will I be happy? That's the question, right? Will I be happy? What if I'm happier with that kid five years younger, right? What if? And the thing is, I don't know if this happens in other cultures, but Filipinos tend to have a thing where they feel like because they're your friend, they're your family, they can touch your relationship, right? Like, like for example, um, let's say my blockmates, um, let's say they don't like who I'm with and they feel like just because I'm always with them on Discord, they're going to say... Um, like, oh, I think you should do this more or stop doing this. Like, for the lack of a better term, who asked? Do you not realize that I'm happy and he's happy and maybe this is good, right? And we're not just happy, we're growing. We're not who we were in freshman year. And you feel like you have the right to say something just because I'm a nerd and he's not. And you think I'm doing his homework. You know, like people just struggle to to mind their own business. And then when you finally come to them, because like, let's say for example, you fought or a relationship ended, they're itching not to say, I told you so, right? They're itch, they, they for some reason can't tell you like, you know, it's okay that that's not your forever person because sometimes people are just there to teach you lessons. Like people are not permanent, but lessons could be, things like that. You yeah. know, like you'd think, are you the destination or are you the train? Right? Yeah. I don't know. I think people are just too complex. You can't, you can't read all the self-help books in the world. You can't take all the psychology classes, attend all the TED Talks and think I'm the best human being. I know how you think. It's not how it works because at the end of the day, Anything that explains human behavior, human thoughts, feelings. This is just about 40-50% of the equation. And the other 50% is who that person is. Heck, it might even be who their mom was when their mom was pregnant with them. Because that is what programs you to be who you are in the first place. So, like, love, it's... That's not something you can discuss in, in, in like, one sitting you know like what okay first first of all you have different kinds of love right you have your consummate and you have your eros and all of that and of course all of us want that consummate love consummate is that um all right these are jargons okay let me okay when i when i was in high school i had my personal dumbledore okay this this principal is a dear friend of mine and he broke my heart when she retired and i didn't know Okay, she was trying to tell me that she was going to retire, but I didn't make it to her office in time. And when I got there, all I had was a letter. Because I, I don't know where she lives. She's old, so I can't email her. And um, every year, we try to have lunch together in the principal's office. So my schoolmates thought I was a bad kid. <laughs> um, and her last lesson for me before retiring was actually about love. And she said, I know you're young. I was literally 15. It was just the start of prom season, okay? 
But she said, "You're. This is where it all starts. You're gonna start going into prom. You're gonna start meeting your friend, your brother's friends. Frick, I did. I met a lot of his friends. <laughs> um, and she said, "I want you to think of fireworks and a bonfire. And whenever some some boy or some girl, whatever my preference was, I guess she didn't want to assume what I was. Yeah, um, which is nice of her." Yeah, which is very nice of her, considering it's a, it's a Catholic school. <laughs> yeah. um, she said, when someone, yeah, she's like, when someone feels suspiciously close, that's going to become something else that might bloom into courtship or even love. Um, and she said, I'm going to give you a very, very simple way to know if this person is good for you or not. Um, the first kind of person is the fireworks. And this person is, if think of the feeling of looking up at fireworks. You look up at the sky. Anything that big, that bright, that beautiful, it's exciting. It's amazing. You're invigorated. This thing is beautiful. This is inspirational. You're excited. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, wow, you're starstruck. You're speechless. It's a beautiful show. But at some point, your eyes start to have like this, um, you start to see fireworks where there's no fireworks. You know what I mean? You get this tingling sensation. Then the back of your neck starts to hurt and the banging in your ears. It's not fun anymore. You reach a saturation point and you think, yeah, the show is not done yet, but I'm going to go home now. Right? I'm going to go inside now. I'm going to get a beer now. And the second kind of person is the one you come home to, the bonfire. Like, what does the bonfire do for you? It's if you're lost, it's a beacon of hope. In the nighttime, it's a light. In the daytime, it's smoke. People are going to find you, right? When you're cold, it's going to keep you warm. When you're hungry, it's going to feed you. If it's dark, it's going to light the way. Whatever it is, even the crackling, you could listen to it for hours and you'll be fine, right? You're happy with it. You're so happy with it that some people even have fireplaces in their own home. They want it in the home with them. But nobody says, dude, check out the fireworks room I built. No, it's going to burn your house, right? So she said, it's okay to have a little fireworks show, okay? I mean, you're young. You're supposed to enjoy life. Like, these are the people that I guess you go bar hopping with, you go laser tag with, maybe you even play video games with or, I don't know, TV baby with, you know? But this isn't necessarily the person that you'd come home after a long day of work when you smell like crap but you're still okay when they hug you. Because eventually you'll get tired of wearing makeup. You'll get tired of, I don't know, like shaping your beard if you do that. And you'd want this one. <laughs> Some people do, you know, and um, you'd want this person to, to just love you and enjoy the small things in life with you. Like share the silence with you hug you even if you smell like the worst body fluid ever. This is what people want, right? And she said, go for that. If you find your bonfire, take care of it. Like if there's, if it rains, what do you do to a fire when it rains? You try to keep it dry because it also gives you life. Like you give it life. So without, you like cover without, it or something, yeah. You, you cover it or, or, you know, if you want to keep it burning, even without the rain, you put rocks around it you keep it safe, right? So she said, this bonfire, you're not always 
fortunate to meet that person. It's it's consummate love. I I I read that letter when I was 15, and only now that I'm 19 do I understand what it is because I actually had a whole book to read about love, and um, I think I thought at the time it was her personal philosophy about people that there's the exciting ones and they're the ones that remind you what life really is for. And now that I'm actually studying human behavior, I realized what she was saying held more truth than I thought it did. And imagine I read this in 1415, right? I'm going 20, but this is still the best piece of advice I've ever been given because I've not only used it in terms of you know, um, entertaining people who have tried to court me, but and also family, you know, like sometimes it doesn't mean your family, you're supposed to be together. Sometimes you're going to fight with your siblings and that's okay. Sometimes you hate your uncle to the bones and that's okay. There's a reason why he's your uncle and not your dad. You can never see him. You'll be fine. Yeah. You know, and then there's some cousins that are exciting. Okay. They always want to go clubbing. That's not good for you because when you want to cry, suddenly they don't want to talk to you. Your cousin is a firework, you know. And that's that's just pretty much how I think. That's that's the it's a very broad generalization of relationships. But if you think about it, it's very sound, right? Fireworks yeah. in the flame. Yeah. 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 You know, um, how I see it, you know, as the old wise moose in this conversation. <laughs> okay. Again, I'm only 30 for my viewers, but I feel 55. I'm going to be honest with all the shit I've been through. First curse word of the episode. Give that to me. Um, uh, because I, I'm not sure if I, I think I mentioned it in the in the two cups. Um, yeah. There's a difference between settling and stability, right? Yeah. And also, here's another one. I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but there's also a difference between chasing and pursuing. So, hmm. because my friend said, you know, I wish a guy would chase me. I'm like, are you sure you want to be chased or do you want to be pursued? Then she was like, what's the difference? Chasing is you guys could just play tag and that's it. But pursuing always has a purpose. Yeah. Like when someone Definitely. pursues, it's because they want to get to know you and they want to get to know you as you. Because you can like branch out and talk about putting people on a pedestal and all of these things, right? But Daniel Sloss, you should really watch him on Netflix, by the way. Super amazing, the Jigsaw episode. Like, I thought about this two cups for the last three years. And when I saw his Jigsaw one, I was so pissed. I was like, this guy figure out my two cups, explain it such a great way. While me, I'm still like, you know, you have two cups here, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, he said something like, wait, give me a moment. I, I, I reshared it on Facebook and I want to get it right. Okay. Uh, as I would always say about a relationship. So give me one second uh, because it's really amazing this this whole... Okay, here. So this is what he said. Um, so this is about loving a person for who they are and not for the idea of who they are. Right? So he said... Because if you do not love me, if you do not love 100% of who I am, you do not love me. You love an idea of me, which you have falsely fabricated in your head. And it's not my fault if I do not live up to those expectations. 
right? I mean, this this jerk, okay, who is so funny, has the best humor in the world, is able to explain things that it took me how many like heartbreaks and stuff to figure out on my own. That's how you know mm-hmm. I'm a bit jealous that he had such an awesome principal who gave you the fireworks and the bonfire. Because mm-hmm. I feel that I learned it as not as young as you did. I would have made better choices in my life about who right. to love, who to give my whole being to. Because as a person, and by the way, there's this awesome app called Dimensional. I'm not sure if you heard of it. There's um, this one? It's it's an app called Dimensional. So it's about, you know, you add you ask questions. So it kind of looks like, oops, did you see that black thing over there? Yeah. Under my Ancas and Goodreads app. So it asks you so many questions and it's mm-hmm. and, and it's scary accurate about who you are as a person. Like me as a person, I'm the type of person we're in. I'm I, I give a lot of effort to people who are important to me, whether you're family, friends, or my partner, right? Like I'm the type of friend that if a, if a friend cries to me and says, I'm heartbroken, I'm like, okay, where's your condo? Let's drink. And let's okay. talk about it. You know. But you know what I realized recently? Mm. Sudden like self-realization, right? Because I've always loved myself. That's how I'm able to move on. I'm able to be in relationships. Because like what Daniel Sloss said, you can love yourself 30%, but if someone loves you 40%, you think that's so much love, but that's less than half, right? That's why you always have to love yourself 100%. Yeah. But I realized, and I don't know if this will make sense to you, I love myself. But I've never been romantic about myself. Does that make sense? It does. Well, at least I think it makes sense to me because I, I have sort of tried that. Like, yeah. You ever seen those things where they say, "Look for someone who would love you like you love yourself." Those. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's like. I love myself, but I've never like created a Spotify playlist for myself. Or like, okay, like super bad example, okay? Like I'm the type of person, because when it comes to like all the five love languages, I give all five. I don't know okay. if I'm just weird that way or whatever. But like when I give gifts to, let's say, a person that I really care for, right? Whether I love them yeah. in a romantic way or in a friends way or whatever. I always make sure that they have like something that's new, something that's nice, whatever. But here am I like, you know, with basketball shorts. I'm like, oh, it has a hole. So I just take it to my seamstress. She patches it up and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like I just realized recently that I give so much of myself and so much love to people I care about that it doesn't necessarily, I don't give myself love, but I don't give myself as much effort as I give others. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. You know, and that was another realization that I was like, it's like, you know, because I'm not really religious, I'm more spiritual. Mm. I'm like, God, like, do you really have to give me another character development lesson right now? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, But yeah, like, that's how I did the Two Cups episode because, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, you should have like, shorter versions of you know these episodes that i have and i'm like okay i'll give it a shot right so 15 minutes and because i know you're taking up psychology and that you're a cool person i'm like you know marcel why don't you listen to it let me mm. know what you think and all these I things i was it. happy that you that you enjoyed it right were you were, were you the one to to, who told bruno to listen to it because i didn't tell bruno. yeah i did because i uh i was actually folding towels 
That is my second favorite chore. I don't like folding other clothes. I love folding towels. Okay. <laughs> um, Very strange, but okay. I mean, they're they have a shape. Okay, it's so it's easy. easy. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um so I was I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna multitask. I, I put my phone on the stand and I started folding. And I was so invested in it that I just stopped folding and stared at like the podcast line going like this as the time was ticking. And I said, damn. I've got three minutes left. I want more of this, though. <laughs> it was yeah. so, like, listening to that thing, not to mention the fact of the way you were talking there, It's um, it gives you the same fuzzy feeling you get when you watch Irreplaceable You, when you watch her. Like, it's that same feeling, that color again, you know? It was that. And, you know, it's, I guess... This is this is the freaking manifestation of the fact that we as Filipinos, we as Asians, don't talk about emotions. You hear a podcast this gentle, this raw, this vulnerable, and you're like, oh, this is what it is to be human. You know, to actually feel things and be okay with that. Like, um, have you seen that Netflix show called You? It's about some serial yeah, yeah, the dude who dates and kills. Um, horrible description. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, that dude, you know him. Um, uh, one of the in one of the later seasons, he makes friends with this um, the girls, one of the guys in the girls' circle, and he said like, I need to talk to you because this guy was some sort of. He's not a therapist. But you could say he's an unlicensed therapist because he's that one friend everybody went to for advice. Which is also me, by the way. There we go. So he 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 gives the fr- he's like a masseuse as well, or at least he does it for meditation. Like he would, you know, I don't know, rub yeah. your temple and then tell you to think something like that. And he said, "Tell me your frustrations." And then Joe was like, "I it says something he doesn't like." And I'm okay with that. And they did that all the way until he accepted himself. And the thing is, like, you know, I, a lot of like, our culture, we're very religious. We don't say our flaws and then finish it with, and I'm okay with that. We always say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We pray and we say, Lord, have mercy. You know, we always say sorry for our shortcomings. And we don't accept them because sometimes these shortcomings is what allows us to accept that other person to make us whole you know so like that i know it's it's a, um i don't know if it's a flick i just know it's a it's a fun film you'd watch if you want to be thrilled if you want to feel intimate but that that episode stuck with me because joe actually ended up crying at the end of the session because he just admitted all his flaws and he said, and I'm okay with that. And mind this, he did that shirtless. So he was as vulnerable as he could be. His eyes yeah. were closed. He was shirtless. Somebody else told him to comfort him. And he just poured it all out and said, and I'm okay with that. He cried and then he felt better. Then again, you just have to feel something until there's nothing left to feel and you'll be better, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I had this... um close friend she is still not over her ex and they haven't been together for a good amount of months and Mm. you know we were talking about it like we had a really good long conversation like hours long about it 
And she okay. said, she told me, you know, I'm so sad. And I asked her why. Then she said something. Then I'm like, why do you feel that way? Why do you? Yeah. Always that why, right? Yeah. And how I do it is I keep asking you why until you get to the bottom of it. Which is very good, Which, by the way. Right. You know, I should have taken up psychology. <laughs> yeah. You, you'd have made a brilliant therapist, my friend. <laughs> Maybe I could have made a best-selling book about relationships and love and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. as someone who my friends say... I mean, you don't have I, to take up psychology. I mean, you can write a I would book want with, because... with your 55-year-old wisdom. <laughs> no, but I would want to because, like, you know, I, I I have a lot of flaws, right? And, you know, how I see life is each person has their, their flaws, their own red flags. But right. what's the difference about you having your red flags and doing nothing about it and you having your flaws and your red flags and then doing something about it? You know how people are like, I'm going to diet because I want to date this girl. That never works out. You know, because for me, if you're going to do something, do it for yourself. Hmm. Because you need to have that base, right? That anchor, that solid rock. Yeah. And the thing is, people do come and go. You know, we're not all lucky to meet the love of our lives, the first person we date, right? Yeah. But the one person who you should love for the rest of your life is yourself. And when you have, I mean, you know, we all have, I mean, you know, let's be honest, like we all have our own red flags, our own toxic traits or whatever. But if we choose to work on these for ourselves, then that is good, right? That shows that you want to grow, you want to be better, but you have to make sure that it's for yourself. You know what I mean? Like me, I had so many, that could be like a four-hour episode about all of the mistakes I've made in my life, but choosing to wanting to be better. Mm. You know, like you, I mean, you're very young, Marcel. You're 19 turning 20. But I'm sure you also have certain aspects about yourself that you would want to work on. Yeah. As well, right? But that's the thing. Um, I guess when you see someone and you see, yeah, okay, they have these tendencies, but they're trying their best to change. And I think those are the best people to be with as compared yeah. to those who are like, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I don't really care. Let's just get drunk. You know, or like, like this is me accept it you love exactly. me right accept me then exactly. because like there's a difference between like accepting accepting a person who's filled with flaws but is trying to be better compared mm -hmm. to like accepting someone who does nothing about it yeah right totally so can i ask you like one last question and I'll yeah. also answer this question as well but it's a very vulnerable kind of question i don't know if you're comfortable to answer but like when it comes to relationships right um what are you in terms of that like are you the type to you know give yourself as a whole or are you the type who kind of you know gives it like snippet by snippet sorry did that make sense yeah it, it does make sense um well for starters one thing that my mom has never forgotten to teach me with every guy I've met, even if it's just the prom setup. Like, um, oh no, yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, something my mom never forgot to 
tell me with every guy even like this could be someone who's genuinely interested to the son of her friend that I got set up with for prom that you know is not gonna get anywhere because yeah, it's, it's just a friend of the son or she, whatever yeah like this is literally the kids table dude who just needed a plus one like can yeah. I borrow your kid yeah sure you know yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and it was that uh, you can love someone it's a great feeling too and you should definitely you know give you can't just take but don't give all of it and make what well, this is something that she advised that i think goes both ways choose someone who loves you more than you love them and i think that's a lot more in perspective as well because let's say you do meet that person who really does love you and you think damn he does more for me than i do for him i should do more and he's thinking that on the other end of the line then you've won the lottery my friend but you know it's and it's like a love with caution sort of thing that my mom never failed to tell me she's been telling me that for seven years um so how can i not not think about that right because even from the first prom I've been to, to like my current relationship, like my mom would give me that advice. You can love, just don't give all of it. Because if you give all of it and that person walks away, what's going to be left? Mm, okay, now I get yeah. what she okay. So like, I guess I'd, like for example, medicine. I'm doing that for me, you know? Because um, this actually goes a lot in line with choosing who you disappoint. I have this philosophy where you cannot be happy without disappointment. To be happy, you have to choose whose disappointment matters and whose disappointment doesn't. I've I've written so much columns about this. Um, like you, I want to write a book. In fact, I have three in the works. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just figured, you know, okay, love with caution. So first of all, that's what knowing what you're walking into. And then based on what you're walking into, think of what your intentions are. If it's a fireworks or a flame, do you want to play with it? Do you want to take care of it? And then based on what they show you, you know, you decide if you're just going to be vulnerable, vulnerable off the bat or if you're going to slowly show them who you are. Because I, I can't say, because sometimes, you know, I'd be put up against a playful person. I can't just be intimate and puke all of my vulnerability into you because what if you're playful and you use that and i'll get hurt and we never talk but now you have all my secrets yeah and in the same way if you have this person who's comfortable and wants to take you in with loving arms like you can trust me we're both in introverts in this massive party what's your story i wouldn't be mysterious because this person would think mm, she's not interested she doesn't want to tell me anything so again with the with the the concept that you can have all the self-help books, take all the psychology courses, have all the psych major friends in your life, but that's not going to tell you how to be with people, how to be a real person. Because 50% of it, still, you know, it's still in that person that you're talking to. It's in the circumstance and the, the complexity of the person that you're up against. So I guess when it comes to relationships, it depends on who you throw at me, what kind of person you throw at me. But I just know one thing, and it's that, like my mom's advised, I won't give 100%. So 
So that way, when you walk away, I'm still a person. And although I may not be 100%, I've taken parts of you in me. And it, it's it, there's this empty space, like, wow, um, no one's saying good morning anymore. Or, wow, it's Saturday and, you know, I'm... I'm watching a movie alone, you know, I'm, I have to finish this Netflix show without him anymore. You know, you have these thoughts, yeah. you, think, you feel this for a while, but if you save at least a little bit for yourself, you can grow again. Like you don't always buy seeds of a plant, you bring home a stem and you put that in water, the roots develop and you can plant it again, you know, something like that. You know, can I ask you something? And I just mm. want to know, like, I'm just really weird. <laughs> but I'm the type of person that, you know, when I'm with someone, right, I give mm. 100% period. But right. the thing is, the way you described it was don't give too much of yourself because it's a, like the cup, right? Because, yeah. you know, you get, when you pour, okay, I have an empty glass over here that I used to drink Barocca. So that's why there's powder. Um, okay. <laughs> like, because, like, right, the, the cup is... Maybe what, what it's meant is instead of pouring everything, the whatever sober, that's what you give, right? The excess. Mm. That's what you give. And because me, when I when I date someone, I don't know if it's because of my age or whatnot. Because again, I'm 30 on paper, but 55 in my mental health or whatever. I always give like full effort. Right. Always. Like I always make my intentions clear that, you know, for me, it's like my next partner you know, for me, the relationship needs to lead somewhere. It can't just be like, oh, let's just date once a week, see where it goes. You know what I mean? There's always has to have a purpose. Yeah. Like pursuing. Pursuing and chasing, two different, because pursuing has a purpose. And for me, I always give 100% effort. Like, I'm one of the most expressive and cheesiest people of all time, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, um, I'm the type of guy who loves David Pomeranz. I don't even know if you know that singer. Like, you could probably ask Bruno and he'll just laugh about it. Like, I love those cheesy stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? But every time I get my heart broken, I'm not proud of it, you know, like, getting in so many relationships. Like, I'm the type of person that I wish I only had, like, two and that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I always find a way to heal that I'm okay. Because I guess I never emptied out my cup. Maybe that's what your mom meant. Yeah. That you can give all effort, but at the end, if you guys break up, heal for whatever amount of time, but you're okay. I felt that my friend who broke up with her boyfriend, right? Who she's still on her way to moving on. I think mm. for her, she emptied her cup. Then she was like looking for like droplets of whatever's left and still poured it. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Unlike in my case, it's more about I give you my excess because I want you to feel like I'm the bonfire. Like I'm yeah. here to be consistent. I'm here to give you a home in a way, right? Let, let's call it that way. Because like how you described it was beautiful. We're in fireworks, visual, you're excited, but it's just for fun. Yeah. Unlike a bonfire, that's not exactly fun. Sure, you can have your kumbayas, make s'mores, whatever. <laughs> but generally, bonfires are kind of boring, right? Yeah. But stable. Yeah. It doesn't explode, then that's it. It keeps you alive, keeps you warm, that sort of stuff. Like, like, you know, perfect how you describe it, that we all want a relationship where we could look ugly in the morning, but the but the but but your partner finds you the most good-looking person of all time. Yeah. 
And there's actually one more thing to that bonfire. If you think about it, even the bonfire doesn't give 100% of itself. It'll give you its warm, warmth. Warmth. My gosh, my English. It's going to give you its warmth. It's going to give you light. If you need it to roast something for you, sure thing. You know, if you need white noise, it's going to do that for you. But it's not going to let you get too close because when you do, it's going to hurt. Right? Yeah. So even the bonfire has that flaw. Right? It's kind of like, you know, I'm the type of person that I want to have an independent love we're in. We love each other, right? For example, we love each other. Yeah. But it's not like we lose our identities. Yeah. Right? I mean, sure. Of course, you know, I would want you to meet my friends, people I'm close to, stuff like that. But I'm the type of guy we're in. If I have a girlfriend, I'm like, sure, you know, go hang out with your friends. I'll be fine. I'll just be at home reading a book mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? You know how there's some people out there that they need a relationship where it's always like like this all yeah. the time? But the thing is, we're all different people and we need our space as well. Yeah. Right? Sorry, does that make sense? It does. It does. It's like you, you're two different people for a reason. Yeah. You know? Like you can't just merge into one being and yeah. that's the end of the line. It, it's, yeah. it's not like that. Like the jigsaw one, right? Of like Daniel's loss. Uh, but sorry, before we end, uh, I just want to quickly go through like the jar of life. That was yes. brilliant. Brilliant. So for those who don't know, maybe you would want to um, tell the story, Marcella. That's okay. I think you'd do it better justice. Um, all right. Well, I can't exactly name the dude that I first saw this with. Okay. But yeah. um, so he had this jar, right? It's a big empty jar. And yeah. he showed you, I think it was about priorities or, or priorities, not in an academic or work sense, but in a life sense, in a holistic yeah. sense. And Those he said, the ping pong balls, yeah. the ping pong balls, the marbles and sand, right? So you can compare the sizes of these things. And he asked, do you think I could fit all of this in this jar? And you'd think, no, dude, you're going to have to drop some. And he's like, you can fit all of it. I'll show you how. And then the first jar, uh, he dumped sand first. And that automatically filled a third of the whole jar. Then he dropped marbles in. And then the ping pong balls barely fit in. They over, they went over the brim and even fell out, you know? And he said, no, I can actually do it better. Let me show you one more time. He brings out another jar exactly like the other. But this time he filled it first with the ping pong balls. So there's a lot of gaps in between. Then he fills it up with marbles. So the marbles fall through the gaps and fill what was once empty. Lastly, he pours in the sand and suddenly you have this beautiful 100% packed jar that used every grain, used every marble, used every ball. And he said, take the big ping pong balls as your anchors, you know, like this is your family, this is yourself, the things that make you feel human you know because even the little things in life those mean a lot those really mean a lot and these are what i think was described as the four corners of your jigsaw right? yeah yeah these are the it ping was, pong yeah. balls yeah and then the marbles fall in and those are the 
the things in life that you kind of can give up, but it's going to leave a mark. Yeah. You know, like hobbies. there's going to be this emptiness. Yeah, hobbies, a part of you. Like, let's say if the world ended, pianos don't exist anymore. That's a marble right there. You lost a massive marble right there. But you can keep going. You're going to miss it, though. Right? Yeah. And the sand, well, that's, that's just anything broad that could somewhat as be like walking across strangers. You know, th those are the in-betweens of the puzzle. Maybe like that one piece of the jigsaw puzzle that's just blue. And you're like, what part of the sky are you? <laughs> you're yeah, just blue. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt if you're gone, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's your jar of life. And you know, um, the version I read was after all of that, he pours a beer inside, mm -hmm. and the students are like, "What's the beer?" Oh, and he okay. said, "Sometimes you just need a bottle of beer with a friend." Oh God, yes, yeah, that makes sense. Right? That was that was nice. So, and, and it still fit, right? Nothing exactly. poured out. So you know, I was yeah. so pissed. You know, I was pissed about the jigsaw puzzle. Then you even made me more upset about the jar of life <laughs> because. <laughs> My two cups is so like compared to those, it feels like the grade six version of those things, right? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, but it's okay. I mean, if I mean, it makes you feel any better, the jar of life dude is an old white man. So I think <laughs> he was probably being in his 70s right now. If that makes you feel any better. So when I'm 70, <laughs> I'm finally able to make my two cups more deep. No, but then I think my yeah. two cups is pretty ready i guess i hope was it okay yeah. it is okay yeah but yeah but yeah you know what uh, marcella thank you again for being here we we went a bit past the time that i promised mm -hmm. but you know you're, you're an awesome guest uh and that's why you know i love having different people here in iglap because you just learn stuff you, you know you just learn yeah. stuff i mean you're 19 but you spoke like you've been alive that like for 30 years or whatever right so <laughs> pretty cool um so thank you marcel so before we let you go if you have any plugins you would want to plug in i guess yeah, go ahead i think the only plugin i would have is it's like a shameless promo for that two cups thing because that 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 really got me to put down the two freaking towels that i was rolling up man like <laughs> it's it's like everything I've come across, but at the same time, not. You know, this is and the last psych, psych jargon of the day. It's hindsight bias. Something someone says something so brilliant. Somehow you think, I knew that all along, but why does this make so much sense? You know, like you feel like you've known it, but you don't realize the importance of it until somebody says it to you, packages it in a different packaging and mails it to you, you know? And that's, yeah, if, if there's anything out there that I wish this conversation could bring out and your two cups, it's allow yourself to feel things. And if, don't be ashamed of the things you feel. If you're ashamed, say what you're ashamed of and say, I'm okay with that. And that's how you'll be human. That's it. Well, thanks, Marcel. I mean, thank you for plugging in the Two Cups episode. I really hope uh, people <laughs> listen to that because I really yeah. put my heart out in that one, actually. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to it and recommending it to your brother. I hope he gives me his. Um, 
thoughts about it. But yeah, okay. Marcel, I'm also guest. Thank you again so much. Guys, Iglap will be back next week, September 1. We have Danny um, who will be here. She's been here a couple of times, but this time it's just going to be her and her thoughts. Until then, everyone, thank you again. Stay safe. Good night. And yeah, bye, everyone.